You're listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Last week, we began a new series called Growing Up. Somebody say, Growing Up. I believe that this sermon series is, is more than just a sermon series. I think it's a divine directive for us as a church. As I just prayed leading into this new year, as I was preparing my preaching calendar, I just felt like God would not let this go. And, and, and I don't want this to feel like, like we're not where God wants us to be, okay? I, I'm, not, I'm not using this to try and, and, and downgrade us. That's not it at all. This is a wonderful church. If you're a guest with us, man, let me tell you, there are some great believers in this room, people that are full of faith. But how many of you know we, we never arrive a, until we get to heaven, right? Amen. Amen. We, we, we're growing to become more like Christ. And this is a year that I believe that we are going to grow more like Christ. Last week, we looked at Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus as Paul addressed the doctrinal and the practical, what we believe and, and how we behave. And he spoke of growing and maturing in the Lord. And I believe that this is that year of spiritual growth for us. And spiritual maturity is not achieved by comparing yourself to anyone else. Listen, don't look at my life and think, man, that's what I want to be like. No, you look at Christ and, and, and you become more like him. That, that's the goal. Spirit, spiritual maturity is achieved by measuring yourself up against the word of God, not anyone else. There was a little boy who fell out of bed in the middle of the night and he bumped his head. So he went to his parents' room and he woke them up and, and they noticed the knot that was on his head. And his dad looked at him and said, what happened? And the little boy answered. He said, I guess I just stayed too close to the getting in place. How many know that there's danger in staying too close to the getting in place? There's danger in staying too close to the getting in place. As it relates to the kingdom of God, it is our benefit to go deeper in our faith. Listen, if you've recently given your heart to Christ, if you've recently received salvation through Jesus Christ, praise the Lord for that. But there's a danger in staying there. You got to go deeper. You got to grow deeper. You got to mature in your faith. It's like getting into the shallow end of the pool. You ease your way in with your head and your shoulders above the water, but but if you want to swim, then you've got to get in over your head. You got to get all in, right? All in. That's this year for us. We're going all in in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul had a burden. He had a burden. It was burning in his heart to see the church grow spiritually mature. That is what the Apostle Paul wanted. And in confronting this issue, Paul uses an interesting analogy in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And, and it's one, it's an analogy that we can all relate to. We can, we can all understand it. And so here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, but I, brothers, this is Paul's, brothers. First of all, when he calls them brothers, he is acknowledging their faith in Jesus Christ. These are Christians, okay? He's not just writing this to anyone. He's writing this to Christian believers. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. So he's admitting they, they are infants in Christ. They're in Christ, but they're not mature yet. Verse 2 says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready. 
Paul visited Corinth in 50 AD. He is writing this letter in 55 AD. Five years after he visited with them and taught them in person, they're still on spiritual milk. They have not matured past that point. And Paul is longing to see this church in Corinth. He's longing for them to grow and mature in the Lord. And Paul tells them, he says, back then I fed you with milk because you couldn't handle solid food. And the tragedy in all of this is that they still were not ready for solid food even five years later. And Paul was confronting their spiritual immaturity. Church, I I need you to hear me. Whatever your political views are wherever you are with, with, with modern-day culture, just stay with me till the end of this, okay? Because I, I know that the enemy wants some of you in this room to be offended. But I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to speak it in love. But I'm going to speak the truth because Ephesians 4 tells us when we speak the truth with love, it helps people mature in Christ. And that's my job. My job is not to be your best friend. I have some good friends in this room. But my job, because I love and care for you, is to make sure that you understand the scriptures and what it means to grow and mature in our faith. Amen? Amen. So look at somebody next to you and say, I love Pastor Rocky. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. I promise you this. For the Apostle Paul, this was an ongoing concern for not only the church in Corinth, but also other congregations that Paul was mentoring. He wanted them, he longed for them to mature in Christ. Now, the book of Hebrews, and I'm going to be reading from Hebrews chapter 5 in just a moment. But in the book of Hebrews, it does not state who the author of Hebrews is like the Pauline epistles do. Those that were authored by Paul. However, for the first 1,500 years of the the Christian church, Most Christians believe that the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Hebrews. I tend to lean that direction because there are some familiar phrases that are used that read like a Pauline epistle. So often, all the time, when I read the book of Hebrews, I just picture Paul as the one writing this. So Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Sounds like Paul, right? He says, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And there is a lot in those few scriptures. Hebrews was written about 30 years after the resurrection of Christ. That means that some of these people had been believers for 30 plus years. They had put their faith, they believed in Jesus Christ for over 30 years. But 30 years later, they were still not growing spiritually And Paul, or whoever the writer of Hebrews is, they express their frustration with him, with those people. That that writer expresses their frustration with, with the Hebrews. 
By now, you should be teaching the word of God, is what he says. By now, you should be one that is instructing others according to the, uh, uh, the, the ways of God that we learn in the Holy Scriptures. Instead, you're still drinking from the bottle, is what he says. By now, you should be the teacher. But you're still needing to be taught. And the crux of this passage is found in verse 14. He said that solid food is for the mature. He said solid food is what gives us discernment and helps us distinguish between what is good and what is evil. There's a reason why the enemy is keeping some churches spiritually illiterate. Now listen, if you know me, you know I'm not going to get up here and, and, and bash churches by name. That's just not what I do. I don't bash pastors by name and I don't bash churches by name. But I think it's important that the church of Jesus Christ is warned of some false doctrine that's walking around. Some false doctrine that's being taught from the pulpits. That this, this should be a sacred and holy place. That the truth of the word of God goes out. Because when the truth of the word of God goes out, it changes lives. It doesn't return void. It, it, it has the power. This, this, this is the living word of God. It is powerful. It is more than just ink on a paper. When these words are shared, they bring life to us. They, they, they bring about correction to us. And, and, and they bring about uh, uh, strongholds being broken within our lives. But you've got to be willing to hear and you've got to be willing to, to, to teach the word of God. And the enemy wants to keep some churches spiritually illiterate. Because if Satan can keep us from knowing the word of God, then we will not be able to determine, according to the writer of Hebrews, we will not be able to determine what is right and what is wrong. We are seeing this in our nation right now. But we're not just seeing it in our culture. We are seeing it in our churches right now. That we can't determine what is right and what is wrong because people don't know the word of God. And we've got pastors filling pulpits that won't teach the word of God. So we find pastors that are quoting scriptures out of context. And churches that are more entertainment than exegesis. Uh, let me share with you something that I teach our MDP, our Ministry of Development Program students which, by the way, they're going to be graduating on this, this stage two weeks from today. So be here to celebrate with them as we take part in our service and celebrate their graduation. But I teach them this during, during MDP. There's two conflicting approaches to Bible study. Exegesis and eisegesis. I'll explain these to you. Exegesis is the exposition or explanation of a text based on a careful, objective analysis. In more layman terms, that word exegesis literally means to lead out of. You read it and, and you allow the word of God to bring forth the truth. It, it, it is to lead out of. That means that the interpreter is led to the conclusions by following the text. The opposite approach to Scripture is eisegesis, which is the interpretation of a passage based on a subjective, non-analytical reading. The word eisegesis 
literally means to lead into. In other words, I have a mindset. I've got something that I've already concluded in my mind, and I'm going to find something to back it up, or I'm going to find something that I can twist and turn in order to support what I think I believe. And it means that the interpreter injects his or her own ideas into the text, making it mean whatever he or she wants. Let me tell you something. The Word of God does not need us correcting it. The Word of God is our correction. The Word of God does not need us to fix it. It is what fixes us. As a matter of fact, if you will walk into it with, without your own mindset, without your own agenda, when you read the Word of God, it will read you. It will tell you what's going on in your life. And let me tell you, some of you, by the end of this message today, the Word of God is going to have read you, and you're going to realize the error of some of your ways. Because I certainly did in studying it. In the eyes of Jesus approach, what happens is that pastors are bottle feeding the easy to swallow scriptures in order to gain crowds and never taking them into a deeper relationship with Christ. And they twist and turn the harder to swallow scriptures to make them more digestible. Church, don't give me pureed spiritual food. Uh-uh. I don't want the word of God run through a blender so that I don't choke on it. Because there's some things I need to choke on. Some things I need to struggle with. There's some things in the word of God that go against the, my flesh. And I need it to be a little bit uncomfortable so that God can create in me a heart that's more like Christ. Amen? I'm preaching better than you're sounding right now. I'm letting you know that. Listen, listen. I have no problem. I have no problem with where modern day church is as it relates to, to, to video and lights and, and, and fog and, and, and music pumping and all that. I, I love it. Listen, I'm, I'm a product of the 80s. I'm an old 80s rocker. I played in a garage band back in the, in, the, in the 90s and we jammed. It speaks to me. But when all it becomes is entertainment and we don't dive into the word of God and let the truth of God's word begin to change who we are, guys, we're nothing more than a concert hall. Let's shut the doors and let's go home. And I declare that Destiny Community Church will never be just a place of entertainment. It's going to be a place of exegesis where we are going to look at God's word and let it read us rather than us try and change what it is. When we first come to Christ as a new believer, Spiritual milk is necessary. The basics of the gospel, it's what draws us in. And we certainly have, have opportunities where, where, where we teach love and grace and mercy. And, and, and I believe all that. I mean, that, that's part of the word of God. It, it has to be taught. And listen, if you're an unbeliever and you're in this room right now, I need you to understand that we believe in the milk. We believe in the milk. Paul never said that the milk wasn't true. He just says you got to grow past it. And it's the basics of the gospel that draws us in. It's, it's love, it's grace, it's mercy, it's forgiveness. But in order to grow in our faith, we have to graduate to solid food. And let's face it, solid food is harder to chew. Solid food is harder to digest. 
But it is necessary in order for us to grow. We can't stay on milk and expect to mature physically. The same can be said of us spiritually. You can't just drink milk. You can't just drink forgiveness. You can't just drink mercy and just drink grace. It's true, but you just can't stay there in order to grow in your faith. And too many of today's Christian churches have adapted to the philosophies of the world rather than measuring ourselves against the word of God. You see, I'm not worried about anyone else's opinion. I have to worry about how my life lines up with the word of God. I'm not worried about culture and what is politically correct. I am worried about what the word of God says and how my life lines up with that. As new believers, milk is necessary though. Jesus loves you just the way you are. That's milk. It's true and it's necessary. And it's what draws us into the faith. You don't have to do anything to earn your salvation. Christ already did it for you. All you have to do is believe it. That's milk. It's true. It's necessary. Jesus ate with sinners. Sure he did. It's scriptural. We know that he did. That's milk. But he didn't want them to stay sinners. That's meat. You can't earn your way to heaven. No, you can't earn your way to heaven. That's the milk of the gospel. Thank God for that. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. We can't do anything to get there except believe in the one who did everything to get us there. And as we dig into the word of God, we begin to develop an appetite for the meat of the word. And if the milk is Jesus loves you just the way you are, the meat of the word is Romans 12 and 2, which says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The only way you graduate that you mature into what is good and pleasing and perfect is if you're willing to eat the meat, digest the meat. You've got to be willing to say, okay, God, I, I'm, I'm leaving all my preconceived notions behind and I'm going to see what your word has to say about this subject. The meat of the word is what will protect you and your family from spiritual junk food. And here it goes. I, I know this is going to bother some of you, but I'm going to say it. And I say it with love. I really do. But I don't need society defining gender for me, my children, or my grandchildren. Mm -mm. Because the word of God, here, we've got to measure it against the word of God. The word of God says in Genesis 5 and 2, he created them male and female and he blessed them and called them human. There's no other gender besides that and you don't get to redefine that. Listen, if, if you're at a place right now, if maybe somebody's watching online and they're like, I, I, I know, I, I don't buy into that. All I'm asking, all I'm asking is line it up against the word of God. That, that's all I'm asking. And I preach this truth because I love you too much to leave you in sin. I can't, I can't not do this. I don't need culture defining marriage for me. 
I don't need culture defining marriage for me. The word of God states in Matthew 19, 4 and 6, and it reiterates what was already established in Genesis when Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So I don't need anyone redefining marriage for me. The way I read it in God's word is it is a man and it is a woman. But here's the other part of that. Because the reason why the church has lost its right to, to help define marriage is because we're not taking marriage seriously. 50% of all marriages fail. 50% of all Christian marriages fail too. So if you want to have a say-so over marriage, if you want to be able to share what the, the Word of God says about marriage, then what, whichever marriage you're in right now, make it last. Let this marriage become the testimony of God's faithfulness in your life and in, because two become one. I'm losing half of you. I know it. So let me lose some more. You ready? <laughs> I'm not letting culture dictate when life begins. Because God's word says in Jeremiah 1 and 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I set you aside. I created a purpose for your life before you were even thought of. So at the moment you are thought of, just know in advance, God already thought about you even before anyone else thought about you. Before you were an apple in your mama and daddy's eyes, you were an apple in his eye. I'm not going to stay there. If we're Christ followers, church, that Christ followers, that means he's walking, we're walking. We're following him. If we are Christ followers, then we are to follow the example of Christ. And when Jesus was 12 years old, he was not ready to accomplish all that he had been sent to do. It's because he came as a child, because he had to be like one of us. There's no shortcuts in this. He came as a child just as I came as a child, because he was going to be the sacrifice for me. So no shortcuts. I praise God that he didn't shortcut his way through this thing. He, he became me. And it's because he came as a child like us, he had to grow and he had to mature into his calling. And you'll remember that instance with Jesus at 12 years old and, and he gets left behind in Jerusalem. His mom and dad don't know where he's at. And, 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 and later they, they realize we've left Jesus in Jerusalem. They have to turn around. They have to go back. And when they finally find him, they find him at the temple and he's, he's teaching. He's, 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 they're amazed. The scribes are amazed at what he is sharing, the questions he's answer, answering, and, and the, the answers that he's giving. They're amazed by it. Well, when Mary pulls him off to the side to, to reprimand him, you'll remember, he says, well, Mom, didn't you know that I'd be in my father's house? Man, listen, if our kids are going to run away from home, let them run to the house of God, right? Man, I, Listen, get your kids to church. Get them to church. Get them to, let, them, let them know that this is part of their life. Well, after there's a little bit of a scolding that happens in, in young Jesus' life, the Bible says in Luke 2 and 52 that Jesus at 12 years old, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He didn't know everything he needed to know at the moment. Because he chose to leave some of that divinity behind. 
in order to become me. But he had to grow and he had to mature. Imagine if a 12-year-old Jesus would have had to face the cross. I don't know of one 12-year-old that will die for me. I only know a handful of adults that I think will die for me. Jesus took time to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He grew in wisdom and his knowledge and understanding of the Holy Scriptures. And, and Hosea 4 and 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This is what's wrong with the church in America right now, church. And I'm not saying all churches, but I'm, listen, they're part of us. They're part of it. We're, we're the Christian church. We're the body of Christ. We should be concerned about what's being taught. And, and people are being destroyed. He said, my people are being destroyed due to a lack of knowledge. It's time that we recognize where we're at and we once again return to the word of God to be taught so that we can grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That's how spiritual growth takes place. I feel like Mandy and I did a pretty good job of raising our children. Which, by the way, y'all pray for my wife. She is not feeling well today, and she was not able to come to church. And if Mandy doesn't come to church, you know she's not feeling good. Mandy and I did a pretty good job of raising our children. They are now grown but early on, and, and I've shared this before, and it's, it's an ongoing joke in our lives and everyone who, who really knows us, but early on, we, we didn't force our kids to eat things that they should have been eating. It's the one area that we certainly failed in as parents. I'm not saying we got everything else right, but there's a lot of things we did right. But man, we, we, we failed at teaching our kids to eat. And the results were they became young adults who were picky eaters. Mariah has been really good for, for my son Caleb because he has broadened his palate. He has, he has certainly began eating things that, that he just didn't early on. He even eats some things now that I won't eat. And y'all pray for, for my son-in-law Tristan because he's trying, but Kendall is stuck, man. I'm telling you. It's noodles and chicken fingers. I mean, a little bit of mac and cheese here and there. That's, that's. But recently, my grandson Knox was, um, was eating rice. And he, he, I mean, whatever meal it was put before, a kid will eat just about anything. And then he just stopped. We were sitting in a restaurant, and Mariah went to feed him rice, and he just turned his nose up to it and, like, pushed the spoon away. And... I mean, I, I looked at Mariah and I went, when did that start? She said, he just started doing this. But she kept trying. And then I noticed that she would send the, the, the meals to the house for Mandy to feed him lunch during the week when she keeps him. And there would be rice in there. And the thing that I, I love about it is that unlike us, Mariah kept pushing it so that he would start eating rice again. There are some things in the Word of God they are hard to chew, they're hard to swallow, they're hard to digest. And the reason why is because it goes against our human nature. 
But you have to understand that our human nature is the flesh. It is sinful. And then rather than, rather than pushing away from it, and, 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 and just, no, I don't want that. I, I don't, no, no. Give me John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That, that's what I want to hear. Yes, yes, but that's milk. That's milk. There is not anything that we go through in life that the scriptures don't address. It might not be what your flesh wants to hear. But he speaks to that. We're not to live by the flesh. We're to live by the spirit. And the flesh and the spirit are at war with one another. It's, it's a constant battle. So we have to be a church that says no matter how hard it is, no matter what it tastes like, if it's hard to chew, hard to swallow, hard to digest, no matter if it says it in the Word of God, we're going to believe it and we're going to practice it. And we're just going to trust that His ways are higher than ours. And if there's anyone here that, that you don't line up with that, and, and maybe there's something that I said, because I know there's some hot topics that I covered here, okay? If there's anything that offends you, anything there, here, here's what I want you to know first and foremost. Your opinion on that doesn't change the way I feel about you. I love you. And I want you to understand God loves you. That's the milk. But the meat is, God loves you too much to leave you there. And so he prompts a pastor like me to stand here and preach the truth of the word of God and say, you've got to get past the getting in place. Because power for living, power for overcoming is over here where we're chewing the meat. And we say, God, I want to grow in your word because this is what makes me more like Christ. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.